0: morning, Praise Center. I cannot believe it's been over 15 months since I've been to Melbourne. I miss all of you, and I look forward to the day that we can be together again in person. And to those of you who I haven't met, my name is Carolyn Kiese. I am from Johannesburg, South Africa, and I'm currently studying in the UK. I'm looking forward to being with you all in the near future. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank Pastor Agus and Auntie Lily, your senior pastors, for the honor to preach this morning. Well, this morning we are continuing with the series of going through the book of John um, together. I have come to love and really appreciate the word of God over the years as I've dug deep into scripture i've also found that in different seasons um that in different seasons some books have struck me more than others and john is one of them i've been studying the book of john for the past 14 months so i it's truly a privilege for me to be able to share from this passage of scripture Um, i would like to invite you to join me on this short journey this morning Um, we will unpack the entire passage first um, and then um, at the end see what the Lord is saying to us so I'll be asking a lot of questions um, which I mean if we were in person we would have paused to think through some of them of course not be able to answer all of them but don't worry I will you know definitely give the answers along the way and try to make it as interactive as possible okay so let's, let's dig in. Please turn with me to John 2, verse 13 to 22. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found um, those who were, selling, um, who were selling oxen, sheep, and, and, and pigeons, and the money um, changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold their pigeons, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered, um, remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Wow. So let's just take a step back from this passage that we've just read and look at the first five chapters of John. Now, I'm not going to unpack any of these without going into detail um, into the other chapters. I just I want to draw your attention to a particular theme that seems to be running through from chapter 2 to chapter 4. So, um, if we look at it starting from the miracle at the beginning of chapter 2 um, to the conversation that Jesus um, has with Nicodemus in um in chapter 3 um, and then the famous John 3 16 um, and then the conversation with the woman at the well in chapter 4 um, the theme that's coming through that um, is that God gives is that God gives for God so loved the world that he he gave to the woman of the world Jesus said if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. That's in John 4, um, verse 10. And at the wedding in chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine and he gave. He gave. So now, with that backdrop, what was happening at the temple? What was happening? Well, the people were getting the impression that God takes. The impression that they were getting is that God takes because the Jews were using the house of God to take. They had turned the house of the Lord into a house of trade. So God was being misrepresented in this case. You see, religion takes, but God gives. Let's unpack this a little bit. Why did Jesus go to Jerusalem? Well, he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's what the scripture says um, uh, when we read earlier that he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. But what was the meaning of the Passover? Well, you see, the Passover was a festival of liberation where God liberated the Israelites from slavery. But the significance of their liberation was so that they can worship God It was to give them um, the freedom in order to worship God. That was the purpose of their liberation. Now, what was the significance of the temple? Well, the temple was a place of worship as church is for us. So what's the difference between the spirit of the Passover and what was happening in Jerusalem? Because we're seeing a difference here. Well, when the Israelites left Egypt, they had gifts. The Israelites received back pay of over 400 years of slavery um, when they left Egypt. But what did the Israelites do? They gave their earnings to build the temple, um, the tabernacle. They gave from their experience of God's liberating power. And you know, the Israelites gave so much that Moses had to stop them from giving. That was the spirit of the Passover. It was marked by giving and worship. Now, the question is, why was that not happening in Jerusalem? That is because the Jews were taking and not giving. And they were using the house of God, the temple, to carry out this behavior. This was a contrast to the spirit of the Passover. What was happening in Jerusalem contradicted the spirit of the Passover. So Jesus was condemning this behavior, moving them from religion to relationship. He was moving them from taking To giving. Instead of earning through religion, Jesus was teaching them how to receive through relationship. So in the original Passover, there was huge joy of being set free. The joy of God's salvation. And as you can see, what was happening in Jerusalem fundamentally contradicted the spirit of the Passover. The Passover in Jerusalem was missing something. What was that? What was was it missing? What was the Passover in Jerusalem missing? Well, it was missing salvation because they were no longer preaching the gospel. But what's the reason that they were not preaching the gospel? See, I told you I've got many questions. Well, it's because the religious teachers didn't know the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. They were celebrating the Passover, but they had no clue what the meaning of the Passover was. And the reason the people or the teachers didn't know the the gospel is because instead of the teacher, which was Nicodemus, um, instead of him preaching the glories of God's salvation and deliverance, Nicodemus didn't even know about the spiritual rela- um, um, reality that lay behind the Passover. So he couldn't teach them what he himself could, didn't know. How do we know that he didn't know, that Nicodemus didn't know? Well, in chapter th- 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about the gospel, but Nicodemus couldn't, didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He didn't know the gospel that jesus was talking about so when jesus speaks to nicodemus he asked him are you a teacher of israel and yet you do not understand these things this is in john um, 3 verse 10 he didn't understand so what we're beginning to see here is that people revert back to religious acts when they don't experience god and so religion creeps in when we don't have personal experience, have a personal experience with God. Okay, so let's move on to verse 17. Now, you're doing really well, so please stay with me. We're almost done with the passage. Um, so, yeah, let's continue. Okay, so the disciples mentioned um, that um, in verse 17, that zeal of your house will consume me. Why is this quote important? What's the significance of the disciples saying this? Well, you see from this, you see that the disciples were beginning to gain confidence um, about what Jesus was doing and why he was doing it. Because can you imagine your leader dashing into the temple um, and driving out religious authorities that you've been taught to be frightened of? How would you have... Um, felt watching your leader walk in overturning tables pouring out coins driving out pigeons driving out animals how would you have felt um watching your leader do this you might have been scared but i know that i would have been scared and wondered why he was doing that so the disciples needed confidence to grasp um, that they were not just following some kind of myth or superstition Therefore, it's significant that they remembered the scripture because it gave context to what Jesus was doing and why he was doing it. See, the practicants, here's an interesting part. In verse 18, it says that the Jews then asked Jesus, what sign do do you show us for doing what you're doing? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days... I will raise it up. But the Jews said, it has taken 46 years, 46 years to build this temple and you will just destroy it. And I mean, you will just raise it up in three days. We can see from the response of the Jews, um, what were they thinking? They thought that Jesus was talking about. um What do you think they were, they thought Jesus was talking about? They thought that he was talking about the, the actual temple that he was referring to but Jesus was referring to his body. They thought he was referring to the temple. Let's analyze this: the, the logic of, of what he said, what Jesus said. Destroy this temple. Jesus didn't say, I will destroy the temple. He said, destroy this temple. I'm referring to the Jews that they will destroy the temple and he will raise it up. Well, we learn, we learn later that this is one of the accusations brought against Jesus was that um, that he had destroyed the temple or that he had said that he destroyed the temple and then raised it up in three days. But this was remembered at the crucifixion because they did destroy Jesus' body and he was raised to life three days later. Therefore, what Jesus said to them was accurate. But why is it, why is it significant that Jesus said this to them earlier on? See, the answer in this verse Um, Is in verse 22 is that Jesus being raised from the dead, his disciples remembered this and that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. But did the disciples not believe before? What does that mean? Well, no, the disciples believed, they believed, but this is introducing us to an interesting concept. That there's progression to our belief. Okay, so we've taken time to unpack this passage of scripture. And now we've got the you know context of what's happening in the what was happening in the background that Jesus walked into the temple. But how does what we've read apply in our lives today? Well, number one, religion takes, but God gives. See, religion takes from us. It takes from us. It takes our identity as sons and daughters in the kingdom. Religion um, and it turns us into slaves, bound by the works that we do to earn love and acceptance from God. But God gives to us. He gave us His Son, Jesus. God gives. He gave us Jesus so that we might have life and have life in abundance. God gives us himself, and in turn, we get the privilege to give to the world God. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are ambassadors of Christ, reconciling the world to God through Jesus. But we ourselves need to, re- to receive this gift in order To give it. Number two, we have been set free for worship. Our purpose is to worship the Lord. Religion creeps in when we don't have that personal experience with God. We've seen that. Or go for long periods without experiencing God. I'm not referring to experiencing God for the first time. This is to this applies to many of us who have walked with the Lord. It is important for us to nurture our relationship with God. See, it's important to serve God from a place of worship or as worship unto Him. Number three, delayed evidence becomes revelation. Delayed evidence that often comes through a word that the Lord can speak to us, maybe from scripture about our lives or um, even through prophecy that someone prophesies over us or a dream or a vision. Although we often forget these encounters over time, especially when it takes long for them to be fulfilled, when these encounters... Um, or, or prophecies come to pass, we remember them and that often leads to believe or more faith. And this is significant because some of us have experienced God um, speak to us through his word or prophecy about things that um, haven't come to pass in our lives yet. When they do, we will remember. And may that lead us to a depth of belief God. Now, I would like to to end this with a story from a book that has impacted me deeply, Um, and this book is called The Hidden Place by Corrie Ten Boom. See, Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian um, woman who, along with her father and sister, courageously hid Jews in their home during the Second World War. Her family was betrayed unfortunately, later betrayed and handed over um, to the Germans and they were sent to the notorious Ravensbrook um, concentration camp. During her time there, Corrie lost her dad and her sister. And in spite of her loss, however, she did not lose her grip on God. When she finally was released from um, the camp due to a a clerical error, she would reflect on the fact that God had given her the strength to endure and supplied his sufficient grace as she needed it. In fact, Corey had learned to trust God in the midst of death early on in life. When she was a young girl, she witnessed the death of a baby Um, in her neighborhood, and was confronted with the fragile nature of life. Unnerved by this experience, she burst into tears and sobbed to her father and said, I need you. You can't die. You can't die. You cannot. And seeking comfort and counsel, um, to counsel his frightening daughter, her father, sat down next to her um, and gently said to corey corey when you and i go to amsterdam when do i give you the ticket um to get on the train and you know corey sniffled a little and she replied and said well just before we get on the train exactly her father responded and our wise father in heaven Knows when we are going to need the things too. Don't run ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, which indeed happened, your heart and you you will find in your heart the strength that you need just in time. And so just like Corey, the Lord has given us his word to give us strength. He has given us scripture to reveal himself to us and that we may be like him. See, the Lord has given us everything. He's given everything to us. He hasn't withheld, he's withheld nothing from us. He has given us his word through scripture to help us to not fall into religion, but to grow in relationship with him. The Lord has given us his word that even during the most challenging of seasons that we would worship him. He has liberated us so that we might be free to worship him. The Lord has given us his word in scripture and community through his people for us to experience him. All of this we have He's given us delayed evidence, just like Corey, that we will remember right in time for us to have strength and believe. Remember that religion takes, but God gives. When we have been liberated, we've been liberated for worship and to worship. Laid evidence leads to deep belief. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.